Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show we're about four minutes from the Champions Classic ending, something like that. And I'm here joined by Matthew Penny, uh, Esquire. I believe that that's your title, correct? <laughs> yeah, for this. That's my official title. Game Theory Esquire. Yeah, Ma- Matthew Penny, Game Theory Esquire. Uh, we're going to talk about the Champions Classic. There were a number of prospects on the court uh, in regard to the NBA draft, as there always are when it comes to the Champions Classic, including the guy who's number one on my board, Paulo Boncaro, who showed out in Duke's game against Kentucky. Uh, We had another player in the top 10 on my board in Ty Ty Washington, who was not very good in this game. So we're going to have some fun kind of diving into what we saw here. We're not going to go super, super long. Uh, I can't imagine this will be more than 45 minutes, but you know, when Penny and I start talking, you just never know. Penny, (laughs) run it. It is about to be midnight. Your time. How how are things? It it is midnight. My time, Uh, just about, just about to strike 12 and Cinderella loses her shoe or whatever happens there. But, um, I'm kind of prepared for this because I was just in Las Vegas last week and then I took a red eye home. So my body hates me. We may as well pile on and just make it hate me a little bit more. That's what you have to do in these circumstances. You you were out on the West Coast and I'm sitting here in Melbourne. It's like 3.55 p.m. I'm rolling. It's been raining all day. I'm hoping that it dries out a little bit. Maybe I can go on a little like evening run. That'd be great. But first we need to podcast. So l- let's do. start Priorities. with this. Let's start with this Duke Kentucky game. Cause I think that was definitely the more applicable one in regard to NBA scouting. I, I texted a NBA scout friend of mine uh, midway through the first half and said something like, this is going to be one of the most, uh, scouting applicable games that we see all year, if only because of the length and athleticism that was on display in this game. Uh, Duke is obviously just enormous. They start like real legitimate NBA size. Trevor Keels is like six foot four, 225 pounds as a two man. You know, Wendell Moore is six six with a six eleven wingspan at the three. Paulo Boncaro is six foot ten. Mark Williams is seven foot with a seven foot six wingspan. Uh, AJ Griffin is six six with a six eleven wingspan. Like this team runs big, they play big, and it's like having an NBA court out there. And not to be outdone, Kentucky is also pretty big. Like Ty Ty Washington six three with like six ten wingspan. Um, you know, Damian Collins only played two minutes in this game, but. Collins is enormous. Keon Brooks is six foot seven and looks like a four man, uh, you know, with his length and frame. Oscar Shibway plays like, uh, you know, an underskilled NBA big just in terms of activity level and strength yeah. and length. So, slash, pro, slash pro wrestler. Slash pro wrestler, right. And I, and I mean uh, that glowingly. Like, you have 17 yeah. rebounds, you're a pro wrestler. Yeah, I mean, the man went for 17 and 19, you know, all credit to 
Oscar tonight. He was a beast who battled inside with Mark Williams and Paulo Boncaro all night. Um, This was one of the more applicable games I think we will see all year in regard to scouting. And Duke won 79-71 to in a game that was, uh, to me, just dominated by Paulo Boncaro. Uh, A lot of people, I think, are going to give Trevor Keels love. And I certainly want to give Trevor Keels his flowers as well. Uh, he dropped 25 points. Frankly, I thought his bigger impact was on defense. Like, he was an enormous reason why Ty Ty Washington went 3 of 14 from the field. He, he just, Ty Ty could not get away from him. He couldn't go through him. There was nothing that could be done there. But uh, the the Keels and Boncaro show, I'm sure, is going to be the headline here. But everything that Boncaro did w- was just so translatable to what he will have to do in the NBA. It was one of the better opening prospect games that I've seen in the last few years, maybe since the, uh, the RJ Barrett Zion game where they like blew out Kentucky and just went nuts. Yeah. It was sort of the way he did it too, because you're right. You watch that first game of, of Kansas, Michigan state and two big teams, but then Kentucky and Duke rolled out there. It's like this is this is real size on an NBA court at Madison Square. Well, it's like a different sport. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if it was as extreme for me, but it, it definitely stood out. And that was the first thing when when Paolo went went out there and they're doing their pleasantries before the game. The first note I put was he looks like an NBA player. And then you look around, yeah. and it's like everyone kind of looks like an NBA player. But for him, for the prospect game, he was just so comfortable taking off the bounce with either hand, maintaining his balance. When he had those elbow kind of face-ups, he was never in a rush. It was like he kind of yep. jabbed. That first time he almost like fell over, kept his balance, then went. Then the, In the second half, he scored on one. The next one, he got a little bit deeper, hit a fadeaway. He just he looked like he belonged and then some. Like Not that he's wasting his time in college by any means, but the ways that he was scoring and the kind of change of pace and, and the rebounding, the intensity, it seemed like this is a guy that is either going to be a solid number one pick or, or in that battle all year long. I mean, there, there wasn't anything that stood out where I said, yeah, that, you know, that needs to be fixed. There was one drive he like overextended his arm and got an offensive foul, but yeah. that was really it. Like When the ball left his hand – even from mid-range from those 16-footers, I was surprised when he missed. Like, he was just so fluid in his motions. He was under control with those rips off the rim. And we saw, and, and we dug into film in the offseason from um, from when he was in the grind session, when he played the Iverson Classic, that he was this initiator. But he would take it, and then he would defer. He would kind of hit up the sideline and say, all right, you, you guys can handle it. He just played within himself and, and was still – like you said, just an absolute monster with, with 22 points and seven rebounds and probably would have had more if he didn't cramp up uh, the few times they pulled him from the game and it, and the size didn't bother him when he was, was matched up with the, the monsters across from him either. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, in the first three minutes, he had, like I have a note here that's just like, oh my God, Boncaro, <laughs> ISO, step back from like 17 feet. Yeah. Uh it was just like pristine footwork to get into a step back. And then uh, to end the first four minute session before the first media timeout, he had that grab and go like into just his footwork is unbelievable. Like he like drop stepped and then drove and then like got raked across the arms and somehow like flung a shot toward the rim to yes, at least get to the, the right line. Um, just unbelievable. He had an incredible fat pass, uh, at 
on the break at like the 1410 mark and then had like a drive and dish on the next possession that I think that Duke scored on neither of them. Uh, then he had like a rip through in the first half for uh, to get to the foul line, just like a very professional move when he felt uh, someone's hands like right on it, right across. He was just like, okay, I'm just going to get to the line now because this is easy. Uh, he had another one as well where he had just like a Keon Brooks. Keon Brooks came out and closed out and it was a really like strong closeout. And Boncaro stopped. He surveyed. He attacked with one dribble drove Brooks way back because Brooks was playing like, you know, like he was going to the basket because he was so concerned about Paulo's driving ability stopped, pulled up and just hit like a 16 footer. Like it was nothing. And it just like, didn't even touch the rim. It was just like shit like that all night in situations that were directly translatable to what NBA teams will have him do. Uh, I also want to commend coach K We'll talk about the first game. I hated everything about the way that Michigan State approached that first game. Okay. Uh, it was enormously frustrating from a game plan <laughs> perspective to me. Um, as someone who like bet on Michigan State, obviously, it was funny. No, here, Doster there's... was texting me. He was like, "He's like, it is hilarious watching you tilt this Michigan State game right now." And I was like, you know, I kind of knew it was done by halftime, but it, it's still pretty frustrating. Um, but in the case of Duke they really played to Boncaro's strengths. And by the way, they played to Trevor Keels' strengths as well. They inverted the offense from time to time. Like he caught severe Wheeler on at least one, maybe two post-ups that were just, you know, easy for him at that point. Um, But he ISOed Boncaro at the elbow and emptied out the side of the court. So he had space to go. So the first time they did it uh, against Keon Brooks in the second half, emptied out, you know, Jab, step, pull up, swish, right? Second time, Kentucky brings a double, you know, drives, drop steps to the left, step back, pull up away from the double, and it goes in like it's nothing. Like it's, it it was just like kind of a joke what he was able to do in this game across the board. Um, a, a very, very impressive showing from Paulo Boncaro. Uh, yeah. And th- this, n- none of this even talks about his defense, which was right. uh, on point and it, it was awesome. The whole game, I thought. Yeah, just the, just the last thing on footwork. Offensively, that first play of the second half, too, where he had that like quick first step in the post, he bumped, he maintained his, his composure, his balance, and scored through and finished. It's like, all right, well, that's a different wrinkle than the mid-range pull-ups we saw early in the game. And then on defense, yeah. he had some deflections on inbound passes, and then he moved his feet well to get around screens. Keon Brooks, same. I think we're talking about the same thing here a little bit. He like fought around the screen, recovered, cut him back off. And even like he was called for a foul he like extended, but stayed with the play on top, and it, it's just like the awareness that he has on, on both sides of the ball. There, there was just he he answered to me any real questions. I mean, you could if you're really trying to poke holes, you can say, okay, he went zero for three from three, and I'm I'm not worried about that because the shot looks really smooth and solid, and yeah. I, I think he's going to hit some and going to hit more, but that, I'm not putting my flag in that as something that I'm concerned about at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I thought that he had a couple of possessions as well where he slid. He was one of the few guys I thought that did okay sliding with Severe Wheeler, uh, staying in front of him 
Uh, he got better at it in the second half, it felt like, even while he was dealing with cramps. Like, I think he kind of recognized the space that he was able to give Severe, maybe, because uh, Severe is just kind of a non-scorer. Like, I had a couple Kentucky fans get frustrated with me that I called Wheeler a non-scorer. I mean, the guy went 6 for 15 from the field and had seven turnovers. Um, <laughs> right, right. I, I know you're, that... You're saying what happened. Yeah, like, I, I know that... You know, he had 10 assists and I thought that he was like the most effective initiator for Kentucky tonight. But, you know, this this is kind of who Severe is. He's going to be a little bit wild and try to make things happen. Um, let, let's go to Keels because Trevor Keels is someone that I saw a decent amount of. But ultimately, I think I would have had him like in the 60s coming into the year on mm-hmm. a ranking. And I, I just don't rank freshmen outside of the top 50 for the most part. Um, it's just kind of not what I do. The only way that they'll end up there is if they decide to go the G league ignite. And, uh, like, I think I have like Michael Foster outside of the top 50 right now. Cause I'm not a big foster guy, but in the case of Keels, I definitely think that he's a top 50 prospect. I, I do want to see more in terms of his offensive skill set because I thought that a lot of what he did tonight was taking advantage of mismatches in like bully ball situations, right? Like he was able to bully severe Wheeler. Mm -hmm. He was able to bully Ty Ty Washington. Uh, He was able to like, even in the moments where like Kellen Grady was dealing with him, like he just kind of fucking went through Kellen Grady. Like it was nothing. Right. Um, this isn't to say I'm not excited about Trevor Keels and I think he's an incredible college basketball player. Like I want to be very clear about that. Uh, he's going to be awesome this year for Duke because he's so physical that even, you know, college players I think are going to struggle to deal with him. But in terms of, you know, NBA translation, I do want to see just a little bit more in terms of where his skill set lies before like really diving in and being like yeah, this guy's like definitely a one and done first round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we talked about that when we were going through guards for this draft class, and, and you brought yep. up Trevor Keels. We said, yeah, probably a multi year guy, and that's why we didn't dive into it more. And he's had some injuries; he hasn't been a hundred percent. His body was kind of up and down, but clearly in great shape. And they said on the podcast, on the podcast, geez, I'm losing my mind on the show, the broadcast that he bench well, pressed. Isn't isn't the broadcast really just a live podcast? It, basically, we're, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> but he, he benched 185 pounds 19 times, which is a Duke record. That That's like NFL combine numbers for cornerbacks, like insane. Yeah. And, and I, I had some more thoughts that he was really this competitive power guard and he showed this strength on his drives baseline. He's going to plow you over and he's going to get to his spots. And then I, I did like that. Then he stopped on a dime a little bit to pull up off the bounce. And then the, this is the second yep. half. And then they kind of like overcommitted. He dumped it off to Theo John. So like he has a feel for what's going on out there, but he's just yep. going to have to diversify everything else. He's one for four from three. I, I did like that. He wanted the ball when the game mattered. There was about five minutes to play and the lead was cut down to five and, and he took it and scored. But yep. okay, now what's what's the next step in the next game when the scout's gonna be he's going, flop a little, take an offensive foul, we're gonna go under on screens, let him beat you from three. So he'll have some questions to kind of fulfill himself, but don't take away anything from a, a really eye opening performance and, and probably popped up on more radars for NBA scouts earlier than anticipated. Cer- certainly for me and, and I watched him in high school on the circuit, it, it was a much better display night one than than I would have thought. Yeah, I loved everything he brought to the table in this game. It was exactly what Duke needed 
within this game and in terms of like what his impact will be as a freshman college basketball player this year like he'll be one of the 15 best freshmen in college basketball this year uh it's just that next level leap where you know when you're trying to bully severe wheeler and ty ty washington it's a little bit different than when you have to go out there and try to like bully jimmy butler every night right right? It's, it's different uh it's probably not going to work as well. No, so, Jimmy Butler's not five foot eight, five foot nine, hundred eighty pounds. Yeah, and, and like I said, like Trevor Keels deserves all of his flowers. He was fantastic tonight. And by the way, again, another guy. I thought his defense was phenomenal. Uh, he he was a monster on ball defender. He is a significant reason why Ty Ty Washington uh, went three of fourteen from the field and generally just struggled to go anywhere. And I think that that's the next place that we go here. I mean, I think I was probably a little bit higher on Ty Ty than what the general consensus is uh, in terms of draft prospects. Did this game change much for me? I mean, a little bit. I would have liked to have seen him not take, you know, 10 mid-range jumpers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's that's less enthusi- exciting to me. Uh, went 0 of 2 from 3. I thought that when he played a bit more unselfishly, I thought he had some really good passing looks. And, mm-hmm. and some of them Kentucky just didn't make. But uh, I, I thought that, for instance, that little wraparound to I believe it was Oscar in the final two minutes like that was really an impressive like drive bring the uh, big toward you wrap around pass using your length to hit Oscar like right in the chest and Oscar goes up and dunks it right Um, it it felt like in you know John Calipari mentioned this at the halftime interview that he was asking Ty Ty to be aggressive and try to do too much when i like tai tai i like him more as like a connective peace guy that can also be a great playmaker like i i don't want him to be the crazy over aggressive guy unless he like really has it going and then by all means do it but like i don't need him taking like eight or nine shots in the first half just to prove a point because you're trying to be the guy I like him best when, you know, he's running a secondary ball screen and is, you know, getting into the middle of the court and the defense is collapsing around him and he knows where to hit, like, hit reads, right? It's not an accident that he had zero turnovers tonight, despite the fact that, you know, you can say that a lot of his shot selection was essentially a turnover, right? Um, like, he took a lot of just really, really bad uh really really bad mid-range jumpers that were contested but when he's making passing reads i think he's actually really effective and i'd like to see more of that balance from him as opposed to what it seems like john calipari wants which is him being like hyper aggressive as a scorer which kentucky sort of needs because who's the alpha out there who's like the guy I mean, tonight you probably say severe wheeler and i don't know yeah how many games you win like that i thought severe was really good in the first half and, and he kept coming at you it's like I, I felt he was doing that lefty scoop layup like every single play and they couldn't stop it just he would miss then he got a little bit looser in the second half but if you look at the kentucky's two exhibition games like they were down they're behind they're losing at halftime he, he john calipari needs somebody to emerge and talk is probably the the piece or the guy to do what? that but He's just more of like a, a pace type of guy. He, he's more likely to come off and, and use a floater out of pick and roll as opposed to taking all the way to the rim and, and flexing and, and going at it and yep. being this energy-changing guy. 
and I do think that he was really good at knowing how to use screens to get himself open. Like, he's not going to blow by you, but he sets up his man well, can create space. And similar to what you said, I did like the way that him and Severe kind of complemented each other on the floor as drivers and then relocating and being like a, a secondary initiator. But it, it did still also create those tough and, and off-balance shots. And some of them were end of the shot clock early in the game. They didn't have much flow in their offense. And, and that's why I was lower than... And I don't think you should sell yourself out too much. Like everyone kind of has tie tie middle of the first round right now. I was just more hesitant because the shot for me, I, I'm just not sold on it yet. He, he doesn't always seem square. He airballed the three that ended up being like a, a turnover for a touchdown for a, a wide open layup yeah. on the other end. And then we, we talked about the bully ball, but Trevor Keels like ran over him a few times, and it just shows oh, you how, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. far away he is yep. because. As much as we say that Trevor Keels can't play that way, it's sort of the same for Ty Ty. Like, you got to be able to body up for a guy that's going to be a stronger guard. If you're not a, and there's yep. a lot of stuff circulating on Twitter last week that Ty Ty's the point guard. I don't know why people say he's a combo. I still see he's a combo. I don't, I don't think he's your, your main point guard. So if you're a combo and you're guarding twos and stronger guys like that in the NBA, you're going to have to be able to hold your ground. And, and that'll come with time. Uh, and just overall, just a little bit underwhelming. I, I, I like them a lot. At Arizona Compass Prep, I saw him play a lot. I, I didn't necessarily think right off the rip it's a, a one-and-done lottery thing. I'm, I'm not writing it off. This was one game, one performance. Freshmen have jitters. We, we saw that in the first game we'll talk about in a, in a minute. But just if he doesn't have that burst and the jumper's not there, how else can he impact the game if he shoot two for 14 and the shot's not falling? Yeah, you know, th- th- that's kind of why I like the name Chauncey Billups has always stuck with me when – you know, scouts have had conversations with me about him, right? Like they've brought up the idea of him being like more of a combo in the vein of Chauncey Billups, where you probably want a second point guard out there with him, but you know, he can handle some of the load, right? Which is essentially yes, what you're you saying can. when you yeah. say combo guard. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he, he does see the floor really well. He processes the game really, really well as a passer. I, I just wonder if the role is being, roles a little bit different than what his idealized role is here if he's going to be asked to do that and you know you bring up the idea of who is who can take some of the load off of his hands i am surprised that kentucky utilized kellen grady solely as a floor spacer in this game Mm. because you go back and you watch his tape at davidson like there's a lot more shit to him than that totally like yeah same thing in prep school He, he definitely has more stuff off the bounce and I was thinking the same exact thing. I don't want to say he's been relegated to it, but he was this this floor spacer, and he hit some some big shots to kind of space things out and, and created those driving lanes for Severe Wheeler. But he can do more. And toward the end of the game, in the run out of time, he played a little bit of catch up, but I think he missed like one runner. But he he wasn't really called upon to self create and, and make really scoring options and opportunities for other players, other than hey, catch and shoot, stand over here, and then just move and spread the floor out a little bit. Yeah, uh, let's go to some of the other guys here. Uh, Mark Williams, you know, had five points and seven rebounds, but he was just a monster defensively. Uh, anytime that Kentucky went in, like, inside when he was on the court, it felt like there was very little chance that the ball was going to go on the rim. Uh, I had him at 20 coming into the year. I, I think he still looks like a potential first-round pick to me. Uh, he had three blocks and two steals in 18 minutes. He dealt with a little bit of foul trouble because of a couple of phantom foul calls. But everything I saw from Mark Williams um, in the way that he mixed with Paulo was pretty strong to me. 
has a great nose for the ball in the glass too. Uses both hands to kind of tip it around and, and back to himself. He caught and finished one alley oop at the rim. Uh, not a, a a huge slight, but with more talent around him and offensive options around him than last year, I thought he kind of looked more like the Mark Williams coming out of high school and not like he had some performances last year. He's spitting out double doubles, and we're like, I don't know, it's just like maybe like a top fifteen ish guy in a year or two like it hasn't been that progressive jump in development it's not his fault it's more like they can spread the wealth a little bit in, in scoring opportunities because of they, they have just like better players around him where he's not going to be called upon to have those type of games for them to win aj griffin uh is a guy that i have like you know six five six six maybe something like that um Still coming back from a sprained knee, played 11 minutes in this game. It just feels like Coach K isn't like super comfortable putting him on the court yet, like doesn't have like a great sense of where his most effective areas are within the construct of the rest of the team. I think that, you know, that's fine. I'm not totally surprised. I kind of wrote in the betting preview I did for this game that I I wasn't real sure what to expect from AJ Griffin in this one, just because it kind of seemed like... It, it it just was unclear what they were going to do and how they were going to roll with him in this. And it didn't didn't really have his his legs under him, but well, one for the injury. But he, he just didn't seem comfortable in playing his game. He was more like he he in that second half he cut sort of like on the baseline, caught that pass from Theo John to to finally score, and then he got like an over the back offensive foul out of a free throw. He was just sort of this like energy booster, and and that's not his game. He's, he's much more skilled and more well rounded than that, and you could tell. He wasn't really 100%. And and I'm not mad because you do got to get back to health. But the way Duke was able to win <laughs> it, w- with a guy that we're talking about in the top 10 potentially not being on the court, uh, you got to take that as a victory. And then, then even like you look at Duke's general shooting numbers, they're 1 for 12 from 3. They beat Kentucky by 8. Pretty um, pretty wild. I mean, you alluded to that in the text too. Like Kentucky didn't go on a run when Duke's three best players were on the bench. So I, I think Duke has, has something well formulated and cooking out there for today anyway. Yeah, th- that's literally what I was going to ask you was, what what did you think Duke shot from three? How many threes do you think Duke made in this I, game? I, I didn't, literally I didn't one. know until I was prepping and looked late. I said, oh, my God, like they don't have passing lanes, I guess. And, and they're, they shot 8%, one for 12, which is insane. Yeah, that was absolutely insane. For for Kentucky, Damian Collins played two minutes. It just looks very clear that he is not ready to play yet, which is fine. Um, they have to hope that by midseason that he can get some time on the court. But you know, this is a guy that I, I've kind of told people like maybe a one and done, maybe not. He's still very raw. Obviously like a pogo stick and can out high point the ball on anyone. I hope that they're able to give him some run uh, over the course of their next, you know, five games where they play Robert Morris, Mount St. Mary's Ohio, who picked up a big win against Belmont tonight. Uh, That's actually kind of a danger game for Kentucky. I think Uh, I I would watch that. Uh, And then they play Albany, North Florida, central Michigan and Southern. So they have some games here to really figure some things out and i would hope damian collins gets a minute or two uh there to be able to really uh get some court time and get his legs under him a little bit it wasn't the 
coming out party of, of last year when Isaiah Jackson had seven points, 12 rebounds, eight blocks. And you said, yeah, man, this guy's got a chance to be a first-round pick. I mean, Damian Collins went out there, and, and Mark Williams, like, immediately big-boyed him. And I said, yep. yeah, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to last out here. And, and he didn't last too long. You said it. He, he has all the tools. He, he has a chance to be there, but it, it's not like the snap of the fingers. He's ready to go right now. All right. And the last guy here that we should talk about is, well, let's talk about the Severe and Oscar show. I mean, Severe Wheeler was effective insofar as Duke really struggled to stay in front of him. Beyond that, I, I don't really, I mean, like, this is this was just like not my kind of game. I guess, uh, you know, missed nine shots, had seven turnovers, uh, only scored 16 points. Like, you combine the missed shots and turnovers, and that's the same number of points that Severe scored. Yeah, he had 10 assists, and some of the passes were like flash passes. Like, he oh, hit yeah. two unreal cross-corner kickouts where I was like, oh, my God, like, that is filthy. Um, this is something different than what Kentucky has had for the last couple years, but... I don't know, man. Uh, I think that like the more they can share the load across their backcourt with severe tie tie and Kellen, uh, and getting Kellen like into the mix there more, the better off that Kentucky will be. It was kind of the severe Wheeler thing, and, and that was my hesitation when he transferred there. I said, "Ooh, I don't like seven point four assists to four point four turnovers last year at Georgia. Like those numbers got to." go down I'll, I'll give him his due i, I thought he really a kept... i believe but yeah oh, right. i'm sorry i don't want to say georgia um but yeah. he um well actually he, he, yeah anyway um <laughs> am i losing my mind no so remember i was at georgia oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're right who I am i like, thinking of it was at a and m is it i'm like hey, yeah he was definitely at georgia, georgia my brain's my brain's broken <laughs> yeah it's, it's fine it's three o'clock for you I, I thought that he kept him in the game though in the second half uh, he, he had that second half run and got him to single digits. He has end to end real speed. Uh, he looks, it, it, this is going to sound nuts, it looks a little bit more under control than it was a year ago before the transfer. But it, it's hard when a guy turns it over that often that you trust him to make those decisions when the game matters. He, he was very good at pick and roll early and, and kind of finding that role man and, and placing pass as well. He's definitely fearless despite being the size he is. But. You know, as a 22% shooter from three last year, and, and he hit some ones early, there's just a, a lot of holes there for, for him to carry the load of, of Kentucky season. And then finally, Oscar uh, goes for 17 points, 19 rebounds, had 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, just like hats off to Oscar, right? Like was the sole reason to me that Kentucky stayed in this game as long as they did. I, I thought he was phenomenal uh for the wildcats tonight uh he he was going up against the biggest front line in college basketball and grabbed 12 offensive rebounds are you fucking kidding me like uh, yeah. unreal game yeah it was second and, and third chances and it, it's it's interesting because he's not like the most super skilled guy either he just kind of like wills it into happening and he doesn't have like this real quick twitch pop either it's more of like a low jump but he he gets there. I mean, he rotated for a block on on Keels too, and I just think he's this monster of a man with a hulking frame, and he makes you pay for it. But it's this old school, tough style of big. Not necessarily overly excited as an NBA prospect, but don't want to take away what he did tonight. One other guy I do want to mention before we move on is Wendell Moore from Duke. 
he a year yeah. ago, kind of preseason-ish, we were like, is he like a top 20s guy? He had a bad year. He, he was not good, and, and he was on the floor. I'm like, I, I don't know what this guy does, but he looked a lot more bouncier out there. He looked confident as a runner, as a finisher. He came off a, a big Theo John screen. He put his man in jail and hit a mid-range jumper. And, and Jay Billis said that Duke changed the way he runs, like fixed the way his feet turn. And I, I don't know. He, he played with like this this level of belief in himself where he hit this quick face-up jumper. It was all like the high school filmish Wendell Moore stuff. So that was encouraging yeah. for him as potentially a prospect this year too. Yeah, and I really loved Wendell Moore coming out of high school. I thought like legitimate potential first round pick uh, as a one and done. He was very young, very long arms. It just didn't work for the first two years, but you know that doesn't mean it's not going to work this year. Like you said, he looks really good. He looks really polished and confident out there. Uh, obviously started to cramp in the second half and it looked like his cramps may have been a bit worse than what Paulo's were. Um, we'll see what it looks like the rest of the year. He has to shoot it. Like that's ultimately the thing he's going to have to shoot it from three. He went over two from three tonight and that's the problem there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oscar is not really an NBA prospect. You know, that's super interesting to me. You know, he could be a backup center at some point just through work ethic. I mean, he has an innate, sense of just where the ball is going to go off the glass it's kind of remarkable and oh, yeah. unbelievable um yeah no but i think that we've probably talked enough about this game uh oh, you know the, one, one, one more add-on here because it's it's never over because people never really graduate high school on time and your graduation class doesn't matter Shaden sharp who's the number one player in the country will be enrolling at kentucky in january hasn't said whether he's going to play or not so if you need help, he, before I think, conference I think play he has, starts. right? Yeah. He, I, he, he alluded to, like, I'll do whatever they need to do. So my point is, like, even Kentucky's roster could look different here in a couple months. I thought that – my understanding is that people think he's not going to play. Yeah. It, it always – it starts that way. Then you get to campus and it's a we'll see. So it's um, – they, they have a lot of players. They, they have a lot of transfers. I don't know where he would fit in. I'm sure they'd find a place for him. But uh, just just something to keep your antennas up for because things change here very, very quickly. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I would be surprised to see Shaden Sharp play this year. Like we've seen we've seen Kentucky go down this road before. Like they did it with Hamadou Diallo when Diallo enrolled early. And, you know, they could have used him that year and he still didn't play. Um, I, I would be surprised, I think, if Shaden Sharp played. But like you said, these things change. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. 
as somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Well, let's go to this Michigan State and Kansas game because very different style of play. I'll be honest, it felt like both of those teams were just like a little bit of a lower level to me than both Kentucky and Duke. Like, no disrespect to Kansas, who won that game going away and was very impressive, but it, it felt like outside of Oshai Baji, there, there wasn't a whole lot there for me where I was like blown away by what they were doing. wasn't blown away. I, I, Baji, we'll talk about here at length. It was interesting, and I laugh because it did have an NCAA tournament feel. And what I mean by that is when you watch NCAA tournament games on, on TV or if you're lucky enough to go in person, that first round, first game, the arena's like half full. And you look around, you're like, this is kind of <laughs> weird. Like, where is everybody? It's like, oh, well, the, the better games in, in three hours, they're still at the bar. They're still they're not there yet. And it was like that. And I was like, man, I don't know if it's like COVID protocol or, or people just aren't in their seats. And then the next game starts and it's packed. So it even had that, like, just a step below, like the undercard to the main event type of feel just from, like, the initial jump ball, too. So let's talk about Oshai because I think that that is by far the most relevant thing that happened in this game uh Oshag Baji had a career high 29 points uh three of six from three nine of 17 overall got to the line eight times I don't know this for a fact I would bet you that him getting to the line eight times if it's not a career high it's probably up there for him and it's a statement on how much more comfortable polished poised he looks as a ball handler and as a creator that he was just so everything he did was so assured. This was a guy that like, I'm sure people have heard me talk about him before that listened to the show. Like it always seemed like the gears were turning when he had the ball and when he was like making defensive rotations early in his career, the defense figured itself out last year. He was really good defensively, but when he got the ball tonight, it was attack, attack, attack. There was no pause. There was no 
there was no gears that were going. And this is a guy that's always had all of the skills and tools to be a first round pick. He's six foot five. He's like 220 pounds. He's uh, got long arms. Like I think he's like a six, nine and a half wingspan. He shoots the ball. Everything is there for him to become what he could become. And I had him as a top 40 guy coming into the year because of that. I do think that he is someone that just off of this single game, I would be comfortable raising into the first round because what we saw was actually translatable to an NBA court in terms of the shooting and floor spacing, in terms of the way that he attacked closeouts, uh, the way that he was comfortable off the bounce, the way he was comfortable making decisions, and the defensive ability as well, which was also terrific in this game. So your your free throw assessment, I'm just looking up here as we're – recording last year the most free throws attempted was six in a game and that was um, yeah against gonzaga in the first game of the year last year so uh your your spidey senses are correct i i agree with you in terms of bumping the first round and, and the reason is this this wasn't like he had some like crazy just good shooting game it was the same oshaya baji from last year it, it looked different it looked like he actually listened yep. to the criticisms diversified his game a little bit if you talk to people around kansas fans and and what have you their always criticism was he just drifts he's good he's trick-or-treat you don't know what Mm. you're getting i didn't think he drifted at all when my first notes we started the game was like oh he's kind of jacking like he hit his first catch and shoot three then he drove the next play he he took a three the next after he he seemed very eager to score and and then he said yeah you texted me that that's right he just settled in and, and he started making threes and he just like redefined himself as this downhill attacking guy and then two like really fluid plays one was like the the rip and run off the rim he strides out to half court kind of slows down spins and finishes then another time it was the advance pass he catches it and goes behind his back before he puts it on the floor and then goes up yeah. just the fluidity fluidity of that and then the athletic gifts of they they have a dunk drawn up set play ato and then a, a steal and dunk on the next possession i'm like all right well that's a good segment another dunk out of baseline out of bounds he, he's just playing with more of this multiple gear attack and pace on his drives and then on defense he's got a great body good wingspan he's comfortable switching on the perimeter it's kind of like that nba archetype that but i was high on him last year and you and i kind of went back and forth but I, i'm not gonna like to my own horn i'm at highs and like yeah maybe in the 40s range and then he he pulled out and yeah. said okay that, that kind of makes sense for him to go back a guy that made a decision to go back to school, and although it's just one night and, and two halves of basketball, it looks like that was the right move for him rather than try to go pro, spend some time in the G League. Like This is the best platform for him to show how much he's developed and evolved himself within the last few months. Yeah, could not agree more. I think he is in for a monster year. And here's the other thing about this, and we'll talk about Kansas in general now. Uh, I've always been pretty skeptical of Remy Martin, I really liked the way that Remy Martin attacked this game. He distributed in the early going. He was happy to be the passer. He was happy to be like the, um, you know, the point guard. He, he and Dewan Harris kind of split that role early on in the game, and then in the second half, he went and got it right. Like he took nine oh, yeah. second half <laughs> shots. He got it. Yeah, and. I didn't think that too many of them were out of rhythm. Maybe a couple of them were, but. I think that him getting the rest of his teammates involved at a high level 
is a much better way and starting the game that way, getting everyone kind of into the game is a much better way for Kansas to attack and then letting him finish late, letting him go get it late. And then people that were there, media members that were there said that he said all the right things in the post game as well. Like that, that's exactly what he, that's how he wants to attack. That's how he wants to go about it. So yeah, uh, very, very impressive. And the other thing about if Oshai is this guy and is their legitimate primary scorer who can be a 20-point-per-game guy, 19-point-per-game guy, and Jalen Wilson can be what we think Jalen Wilson's going to be, you know, somewhere between 13 and 15 points per game. Well, then you're kind of sliding Remy Martin down in the pecking order a little bit to where, you know, maybe instead of having to be in the, be the top guy – because we thought that he'd be the top guy just due to his personality, right? Yeah, well, preseason now, player of the year. Right. Like now he's, you know, the second and third guy, even at times he's the third guy. And that's a much better role for him, I think, at Kansas. Like he's going to be a little bit more capable of playing well within that role. So I, yeah, I, I really liked what I saw from Kansas and I'm really excited to, you know, see what this team looks like when Jalen Wilson comes back uh, in terms of prospects for them. Like, look, I, I don't really think they have any other prospects if we're just being candid. <laughs> well, um, Christian eh, Brown so, is interesting. Like, yeah. you know, Jalen Wilson is interesting, but he didn't play tonight. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what else to say here with Kansas in regard to the NBA. <laughs> For for in terms of the the Remy stuff, it, it was uh, watching it play out the last few weeks because when he was at Arizona State, I mean they weren't good last year. They had Josh Christopher, they had Marcus Bagley, and just it, it didn't work. And I don't know if it was just role allocation, uh, jealousy. I, I have no idea, but just the pieces didn't fit. And I read somewhere like during the first exhibition game, Bill Self kind of like lost his mind at, at some of Remy Martin's shots. And I was joking with a buddy, I'm like, has he ever watched Remy Martin play? This is like kind of what right. he does. And then I, I saw a Jeff Borzell tweet during the game that he didn't shoot his first eleven minutes, which is like incredible. Yep. If you've if you've watched the this volume guy who averaged nineteen points per game last year, they scored off that elevator screen and, and does the the full Remy Martin show in the, in the second half when somebody probably said like, "Hey man, we need you to go get it." If you have Remy Martin scoring fifteen points on five of nine shooting, six rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, that's that's an enormous win. If if like we said, you're you're adding back Jalen Wilson here in a couple weeks, who's a, a projected late first round guy, and yeah, Christian Brown. I th- there's draft fans of him. I it wasn't a great performance by him. I mean, he's going to make his calling off shooting. He had two air balls. Uh, he was better once he settled down the second half. He had a drive and and one short turnaround jumper and. He struggled, too, with the game plan early for Kansas. So smart was, let's just feed David McCormick every single play and wear him down. They'll kick it out and hit it. And, and he just never really, like, got going. The the guy, and, and we don't have to spend much time on here, he just played a few minutes. But Zach Clements, I think, has a chance at a couple of years. Hit a three, mm-hmm. posted up, anticipated a steal, had some pick-and-pop stuff. Good footwork, but he's he's nowhere near ready for, for this year's draft. And, yeah, and they're just – Always, always going to be well coached. Dave McCormick was, was better in time. He's he's still way too mechanical, but he he has this confidence when he makes a good play on offense or defense. Then he'll post up really hard and can feed him. And he's going to dunk and flex. I, I like Kansas, man. I like the pieces. I didn't know how it would look, but they look crisp. I don't want to say midseason form, but they looked a, a step ahead of Michigan State tonight. They did, and let's talk about Michigan State. I- 
I mentioned before that I hated everything about the way Michigan State approached this game. Uh, part of that is probably due to the fact that they got just abhorrently bad guard play in this game. Uh, Tyson Walker was very bad. Uh, he, he was yep. just not very good in this game. It looked like, you know, he's from the New York area, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Christ the King, it, and then he went to New Hampton. Yeah, it, it looked like he was maybe, like, pressing in front of the home crowd. And then on top of it, like, I think Kansas's guards did well, ball pressuring as well. But it, it just looked like Tyson Walker was pressing out there. It, like, it, was, it was weird about Tyson Walker, though, because... He was more of like this table-setting point guard in high school and on the grassroots circuit. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know what, probably like an A-10-level guy at the time. And then he, he crushed it at Northeastern. He averaged 19 points per game. And I, I thought, I had an NBA scout text me during the game, like Tyson got swallowed up out there. And it was weird yeah. because he had two points. He was one for three shooting. And, and I looked it up because I'm like, this is not his game in college that's the second fewest attempts in his career the only time with fewer was two years ago he played five minutes with one shot against drake i'm guessing he got injured because he played five minutes and there just had been so much press and positivity about him being the best player in practice and and how good he was going to be so i don't know if it was the new york thing i don't know if he just got swallowed up with the size of the kansas guards but just didn't look like himself out there yeah I don't think it was like I, I didn't think Remy played like incredible defense on him because for the most part they slotted Remy on him and Dewan Harris on Max Christie because Harris is like a little bit more of a bulldog at the point of attack and they probably thought that that would bother Christie a little bit more and to an extent I think they were proven right but the the thing about Michigan State's approach to this game that I hated was Kansas switches a lot of screens right they don't switch every screen like they they don't get mccormick out away from the rim all that often if they can help it control it yep but they switch a lot off the ball one through four they switch on the ball a lot one through four i don't understand why they weren't trying to find more mismatches involving guys like gabe brown attacking a small guy joey hauser attacking um max christie attacking smaller guys uh I thought that, you know, one time they got Malik Hall on a mismatch against Christian Brown on the block, mm-hmm. and Malik got a good look. He just got called for a foul, uh, if I remember correctly. It was either a foul or he just, like, missed the shot, um, one of the two. But I-, I thought that when they did go to, like, the size-based mismatches on the perimeter as opposed to trying to, like – post their bigs like marcus bingham and right like right uh, julius marble right yeah that's, and like, that's, that's what kansas wants you to do because like david mccormick doesn't have the best feet on the perimeter so they were going again just like post feed for post feed I, I i didn't necessarily get that either yeah like I, look I, i'm kind of trying to find the numbers as we talk i don't know if i'm even going to be able to do it because you know the game ended a while ago they, they might have it locked on logged on synergy um you know, just looking at the play types here, uh, you know, Michigan State, they, they have 12 post-up, like, finished possessions here uh, versus only having hit the roll man four times, and I'd bet three of those are pick-and-pops by mm-hmm. uh, Joey Hauser. Uh, they had, uh, let's see here, 10 shots off of screens, despite the fact that you have Gabe Brown and Max Christie on the wings, both of whom are excellent shooters. Like... It just seemed like a really, really poor strategy 
for me uh, in terms of like generating offense. The the only thing that they did more than post up uh, was just like have their ball handler like AJ Hoggard, um, Hogard, I guess his name is. I'm um, thinking about it. Um, AJ Hogard like attack out of ball screens. That that was really. Yeah kind of it like i mean it was it was not a great offensive showing uh and we should talk about you know from an nba perspective the main guy for michigan state is max christie another guy that i'm very very high on entering the year i mean they just didn't run anything for him like you hear everything like you know max is expected to be like our go-to guy he's going to be the number one option in our offense like tom Izzo has not tamped down the max christie hype at all they just didn't run anything for him like, I don't know what the plan was there, and they didn't run anything for him, despite the fact that he had a six-foot-tall guy guarding him in Dewan Harris. Like, Dewan Harris is a tough defender, don't get me wrong. Like, he's tenacious, but Max Christie can shoot over the top of Dewan Harris. Like, I, yeah, I just didn't know what we were, what the plan was there. He, he still had 10 shot attempts. He was 3 for 10. He had 9 points, 2 for 4 from 3. Three rebounds, two turnovers. Just, just looked like a freshman. He did. I mean, he he missed his first couple jumpers. I like his feet. He kind of ripped through well baseline and missed. And he didn't worry about it. Like he he kept firing. He wasn't scared. He finally knocked down like his fifth shot from the top of the key. And then he he, he kicked out a shot or two, which I thought was the right decision. Which he didn't force. Like some of those pass, some of those shots that he passed up to to kick out. At high school at, at Rolling Meadows in Illinois, he'd just like go up because he would do everything. So you could tell that he sort of like evolved his game already under Coach Izzo. And, and Coach Izzo had alluded to that in practices and talked to NBA scouts that he, he, he pulled them and said, Hey, you know, you're not going to take as many wild shots here. That's not the way we do things. Uh, but yeah, there, there wasn't like a ton of stuff necessarily drawn out for him. He, he did kind of have like a baby hook in the lane. He missed, but I, I liked how he used his length to extend. He cut baseline the second half, kind of made his own look for a short lay in. And, and similar to Ty Ty, just overmatched strength wise, even from like the, the guard position. We were texting during the game, like he had to get a rebound and just kind of get like knocked out of the way. Yep. I, I'm not worried. I, I, I like the shul, the tools. I like the shot making. I like the offensive second side creation that he's able to do. Just it's not. It's going to take time. Like he's the I would, the concerns I had were still there, but it's more just about like physical concerns as opposed to like his actual basketball ability. Yeah, and by the way, like this doesn't get easy for Michigan State. Like they play Western Michigan their next game, but they play Butler uh, in a, basically a week because today is Wednesday. Now, the week after that, they play Loyola Chicago, who's going to fucking get in his shit basically Mm -hmm. uh the week after that they play louisville who you know those guys are going to try and really get in his jersey and bother him so uh, we're going to learn a lot about max christie in the coming weeks here i even yeah it was i i don't understand why their offense wasn't as opposed to like having christie stand in the corner for the most part and like baseline cut and wait for spot ups like I was waiting for, okay, let's run some like pin downs for Christie and Gabe Brown, right? To try and get yep. either mismatches to drive or uh, just open three point shots, right? Th- those are the, th- those are the opportunities for a advantage and, and like the ability to create an advantage that I thought Michigan State had in this game because of the lack of Jalen Wilson like you go six seven six eight six eight across the front court uh not counting the five so from the two through four across the wings I'm sorry 
Whereas Kansas is going what six foot six five six five mm-hmm. in the case of Oshai and Christian Brown, maybe six six with Christian Brown. Like you just have so much space to be able to do different stuff. And I just had no idea what their offensive game plan was. And I'm sure that maybe they could have gotten into more of an offensive game plan had Tyson Walker played better. And, you know, had they been able to get more out of maybe like Jaden Akins, I guess. I don't know. Um, But it just never felt like I knew what their coherent plan was offensively in this game. Needed more from Gabe Brown, too. I, I was kind of, like, hoping he would have a breakout. He, he was just yeah. a quiet 10, 10 points. He hit a three off, like, a clean look off of a screen. I, I like the jumper. He turned the corner once and had a, a decent interior post pass for, for a bucket. But I didn't think he was assertive. I, I didn't think he looked for his, his own shot enough. And other than A.J. Hogard, who uh, commend him for, for getting in shape and, and looked much quicker and isn't had much more of a – initial burst there wasn't that offensive spark that that michigan had and and really needed to stay in that game no i agree with that um okay uh one other guy i do want to mention here i have always kind of liked bobby pettiford Uh, i thought he was really good in the minutes he played tonight he played 11 minutes and i thought he made a real impact in this game like aggressive on ball defense he was a really really smart decision maker and passer at the point uh yeah i I think that he has a chance to actually like be useful for them like i I liked his minutes way more than i like joseph yesifu's minutes yeah and and bill self is heat praise on him and saying like he really has a chance to be a a special player at kansas i thought it's very tough too like he he just kind of like bodies you in the lane and and tries to rebound and and made the most out of the 10 minutes you knew that he was out there on the court when he was out there it it wasn't like he was hiding the corner and hoping that the ball gets swung to him like there were a lot of minutes yeah i agree and then kj adams is a guy that kind of flashed defensively in this game too Uh, maybe it happens for him maybe it doesn't but We'll see. Uh, okay, if we were ranking the four teams tonight, I would say probably definitely Duke number one. I would say Kansas and Kentucky are close for me. Like no, I I'd really say, liked I, what I, I saw. I'd, from, say, I'd, I'd say Kansas. I'd say Duke, Kansas, I, Kentucky, I, Michigan State. I would definitely say Kansas ahead of Kentucky, but I think Michigan State was just such a level below kentucky tonight that it's hard for me to tell and that kentucky duke game was just such a higher level basketball game in terms of the athleticism out there it just looked like it was played at a different speed you know what i mean like it it really did did. it 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 did it did feel that way and i i know and i thought and i think bill self even said like we're a little bit overrated for how high we are i thought they lived up to it i mean i don't want to Michigan State didn't look great. I, I did think Kansas did, though. And I don't know if you're going to get superhero performances from Oshai Baji, but if you have that, if you have a dialed-in Remy Martin, if you have a real post-threat in Dave McCormick, if you have Jalen Wilson coming back, Christian Brown didn't give you much, that's a pretty good nucleus for a team in the Big 12 and, and certainly to make a run for a national championship, too. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay. Uh, Penny, do you have any other strong thoughts here before we get out of here? Hmm. So I have strong thoughts. Yeah, I don't. Who who plays at who plays at eleven thirty on Friday? What kind of cruel and unjust punt? What what did I do to deserve that? <laughs> UCLA. Who is it? UCLA Villanova. Eleven thirty yeah. Friday night. I mean, I know for you, you're probably like stretching and getting your run in, but that's uh that's a tough one for the East Coast for us over I'll, here. 
I'll say I'm like not super excited about that. That's like a 6:30 game for me. That's like a normal like game time for me. Like that that's not <laughs> or no, no no no, it's not 6:30. I, I it's hope. um what it'd be like 3:30 or 4:30 for me. And it won't end until like 6:30 7 o'clock probably. So like I'm not I'm not like wildly excited by that to be honest. Like I, I'd rather I mean, have the afternoon. I am just because the, the the season has started and it's it's so early in the year and Villanova UCLA UCLA is second in the country Villanova is fourth in the country. Let's do it, but it's uh, it, it's tough for us East Coast guys. We'll survive, but it's uh, tough. Yeah, and did you watch any of the Villanova game tonight? I watched about ten minutes of the second half. They're up by a million. They're doing jump stops, a real possession. Justin Moore is really good. Yep. Tough to kind of get a read when you're up by 40, 50, but I think he had like 27 points. He, he looked very solid out there. Yeah, um, I, I caught like a decent amount in the first half. Uh, yeah, really liked what I saw from Justin Moore. Really liked what I saw from Brandon Slater, actually, yeah, as well. Yeah, four for six from the field, I think. He was good. Yeah, um, had he, he was five of seven from three in that game. Oh, yeah, I know go. that. Um, just yeah. made a bunch of threes. You know, if, if he can shoot like that, I do think it changes things for them a little bit. Colin Gillespie was just, you know, every bit of what we would expect from him. They played Mount St. Mary's, so, you know, don't get too enthused. But I thought they played well, and I'm excited yeah. to see that game against UCLA. There, there were some early upsets, too. Navy knocked off Virginia. Uh, Western Illinois beat Nebraska. I'm trying to think of the other one. So well, we've the, already... the big one. The big one was Ohio State um, almost falling well, to Akron. <laughs> I so funny. So I, I'm watching. Yeah, I'm focused in on Champions Classic, but I see the score, so I flip over. And John Gross is the head coach at Akron. I'm yeah. looking up his his record, and uh, he'd never won at Ohio State when he was at Illinois. So of course I'm like, great tweet, fired up, ready to go. So I'm ready to hit send. I'm like, just end the game. And then Zed Key like screens his own man because they're switching everything. They hit him in the middle. It's wide open. I'm like, ah, son of a yeah. Oh, how freaking good was uh, that screen by Zed Key on that, that final so play? That it was so smart. It was so yeah. smart. Like the more that the more I watched it, I, everyone was talking about um, how great the like call the play call was by Holtman. I was like, yeah, it was a great play call, mostly just because um, Zed Key set an incredible screen. Yeah, you like, still got to do it. He kind of screamed yeah. like two guys and then like screamed his own guy and they like closed out too hard to the perimeter and just slipped. And I was like, ugh, 0.3 seconds left. Nothing you can do. Yeah, and I also want to call out Alabama. That was probably, outside of Duke, the best performance of the night tonight. Alabama kicked the absolute shit out of Louisiana Tech. Who's a good and team? Lu- Who's a good yeah, team? Louisiana Tech is expected to compete for the Conference USA title, be like a potential 12 seed, 13 seed in the NCAA tournament if they win that title. Uh, Alabama just went in and beat the absolute piss out of them. Uh, that that was <laughs> they're doing some the things little there, bit man. of it I watched. I was like, whoa, this is better I mean, than what I thought they're it would winning be. And they're, and they're, and they're kicking butt on the recruiting trail, too. Yeah, no, and they play a fun that, brand of basketball. And, and I guess the the other, I I, I know it's uh, versus Dixie State, but Chet Holmgren was great. Just the highlights I saw, I didn't watch the game. Fourteen points, yeah. thirteen rebounds, seven blocks, six assists. Did have five turnovers, but lived up to that early billing as a guy who kind of stuffs a stat sheet from across the board. Yeah, that's a guy. Like I just didn't watch any of that game to be honest. Like I just I I don't know what to say there. The the numbers look great for Chet though. I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah, 
He, he looked good, and you know, I want to watch Auburn. Jabari Smith had eight points. So it, it's good that we actually we now have tape. We have games to watch. We have stuff to circle back on, and we're not just yeah. making up top 100 lists of old film that we're just guessing on. We're not guessing, yeah. but educated decisions more so. Yeah, college basketball tomorrow and Thursday is not particularly strong. Like The best game in those two days is probably Buffalo, Michigan, I would say. Uh, it's not going to be incredible. Like I'm a little bit excited to watch like Maryland against George Washington. Like that might be exciting on Thursday, but then on Friday we're back. We get Villanova, UCLA, we get San Diego state, BYU, we get SMU, Oregon, which I think is a sneaky fun game. And then Saturday we get Gonzaga, Texas, as well as, um, you know, just a couple other like sneaky fun games, like maybe USC Temple in Philadelphia could get kind of weird and funky. Um, yeah, I think that maybe like Georgia plays Cincinnati. Uh, you know, shout out Georgia for coming back and getting the win against FIU tonight, which was yeah. uh, on its way to disaster for Tom Crean before yeah, they decided and, and to come I saw back. That, uh, FIU hit a three to cover at the buzzer too. We're we're all the way in college basketball. It, it, it is oh, the tis it. the season here. I'm so excited. Um, okay, let's get Penny to bed because this man is uh, at one o'clock a.m. in Massachusetts right oh, now, coming off of a weekend in we're, Vegas. We're, we're for the people. Yes, coming off of a weekend in Vegas. So it's I'll recover. It's got a few days, but I, I will get there. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. This has been uh, the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe. Do everything you can to support the show. We will be back probably Friday with some more NBA stuff. But until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.